0: Amen. if you have your Bibles we're gonna we're gonna spend our time there uh, this morning in first Peter chapter 4 it seems like uh, I don't know if this happens to you but but first Peter has kind of uh, been following me uh, these past couple of weeks in in conversation and uh, some things that I've been listening to and and I'll start by saying this I love I love 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 the instructions that Peter gives us specifically in Uh, the verses that that we're going to read today. Uh, We we had this moment uh, earlier this week where, uh, I don't know if this is you, uh, but but in our home, uh, Kelly needed to read out loud for 15 minutes because her principal and her teachers are uh, mocking the parents apparently. Uh, They didn't send any wine or anything to go through that process because 15 minutes with a kid reading out loud is a lifetime. Uh, So I was like, hey, Kelly, uh, how about while you read, uh, I'll put up my clothes. And, and so we're, we're kind of doing both. And really, you can't multitask in that moment. Uh, really what it meant was, hey, you could do your time, I'll do my time, uh, and then you can go to bed, and I'll be done putting up my clothes. And, but she got to reading, and, and then all of a sudden, have you ever had this moment where you're reading, and, and, but you're not really paying attention um, to what you, you know that words are being said, but there's nothing going on? In the brain, because apparently um, the characters in, in her story are either cats or mermaids or a combination of both, uh, because something was meowtastic uh, or or possum. Uh, and And so uh, we, I kind of let her read to the end of a page, and then I was like hey, okay so you've read you 've read a couple pages uh, now, tell me uh, what what you 've read. Can you tell me what you 've read uh, and really that 's just my way of catching up to permaids and their continuing adventures and their quest for something i 'm not entirely sure, but she knew uh, she knew and and, and I, I dawned on me in that moment there are times that I will read my Bible. With the same kind of interaction, right? Uh, that that I will read, but yet my mind is not present and my heart is not present, and so so you get through the end of that, and you have to ask yourself, okay, what 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 am I reading, and why am I reading this if I'm not trying to apply it or put it into action into my life, and and so so as I thought about that, I thought about you, and and I, and I said, okay. What are some ways we can tangibly teach one another how to walk in the Word together? And this passage out of 1 Peter came to mind because he's going to tell us a few things to do. And, and so what I wanted to do this morning is I want to give you a practice that I, I try to put into practice frequently uh, as I read my Word. Because what we found from what Cindy read was, was there's a lot of things that Peter tells us to do. Uh, and, and if we can take a moment and we can stop and we can chew on what he says, we can better put it into practice in our lives. And so, so the way we're going to do this this morning is, is I'm going to kind of walk you through the instruction, and then uh, in, in one of my practices, let's put it into a declaration. So, so if the Word is given to me to equip me for the work of the ministry, uh, then, then the intention is to put what I read into practice. That, that's, why, that's why we read our Bible. Now, now typically what will happen um, with us, if, if we stay too long in this kind of space of reading but not listening to it, uh, eventually we, we create this argument that we're bored with it, right? Or it's not relevant for me, or we might even say, you know, I'm just not a reader. You know, even though, let's be honest, we read all the time. Uh, so, so, so what we want to do this morning is is simply go through this practice of saying, okay, based on what he said, how can I make that a declarative statement about my life? okay because that's that's what we want as we put the word into practice how can what can we do to put that better into practice and so so we're going we're going to start with this peter comes in and he says the end of all things is at hand right now that that kind of has a doomsday kind of vibe to it uh, but that's not necessarily what peter means in fact as a believer uh, when when people say the end of all things is at near, that brings us joy, uh, because the end of all things is Jesus's return when He sets right everything, every single thing. So when He says in the Bible the end of all things is at hand, uh, we will typically say, "Man, that's was He wrong? Because it's been over two thousand years. So what does He mean by that? Because we'll see that in the Bible when they'll talk about." the days are drawing near, or the, the, day, uh, the hour is at hand. So, so when, when we read that in the Bible, what Peter is intending us to understand is that all the, all the things that need to take place before the end of time have ultimately already happened. That, that God's plan for man is to redeem him and so, so all the things that took place in order to bring salvation to man has been completed. That 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 what we get is uh, that, that in the culminating in the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the ascension of Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, all of that has already occurred. And so, there ultimately is one thing that must happen, that Jesus would return. And this is what he says, that, that we that the end of all things is at hand, that at any moment Christ can come back. And and so 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 what remains is this return. So now what he's gonna say is is what are some ways that we live in that space, right? In that in that in between time. How do we operate as we wait for Jesus but yet we're not in heaven. Just yet, and so he opens with this. He says, "At the end of all things is in is at hand." Therefore, be self controlled and sober minded for the sake of of your prayers. And and I think he starts here by saying, uh, "Live with self control. Live with a sober mind." And then he adds, "Why that's important?" And he says, "For the sake of your prayers." And now now and now why is that? And I think. Um, it's not hard to, to, to piece these things together that, that a lack of self-control or a debauched mind places barriers in our relationship uh, with God that, that, that those things must be confessed and then they must be repented of. And, and especially if we are to walk in an unfettered access to him, which he's provided for us. Uh, in Jesus, and so, so he starts by saying this, and now this, this shouldn't be new information if, if you are in Christ, right? Uh, sin destroys everything, right? In fact, sin destroys relationships, it creates barriers specifically between us. And our Heavenly Father. And this is this is why we so desperately, so desperately need Jesus every moment of every day. Because what He does as our mediator, as our prophet, as our priest, as our king, He creates the lane and He keeps it open for us. So that we have access to the Father. Uh, so we can walk in to the throne room of grace with boldness. And now the wonder of the Gospel is this. That... that when we consider that that when we bring sin into the table, into the equation, that Jesus and the Father forgive that sin not reluctantly but willfully. Right? So so Peter comes in and he says, Okay, I want you to live in a way where you have self-control and you are of sober mind because you don't Corner God by your sin and His willingness to forgive you, that He freely wants you to live in freedom. So, so, so when we we move in their direction before, I'm sorry, they move in our direction long before we move into theirs. So we have this this declaration. How do we apply this simple thought? And it's this that that because God adventures with me, I will keep my mind clear and my body in control. Because God adventures with me, I will keep my mind clear and my body in control. Now, here's what happened. Here's the danger, and I should have said this before. The danger of in a declaration like this says that this is my intention. It's easy to read the instruction as a suggestion, right? Right? Like, like, okay, maybe maybe I keep my, myself under control most of the time, or maybe I keep my, my mind clear some of the time. Uh, maybe I'm in control of, of my emotions and, and my desires some of the time, maybe not. But as we, if we apply this and we put it into practice, we'd make a declarative statement that because God adventures with me, I'll keep my mind clear and I'll keep my body under control. You see the difference? Like when when I resolve for this to be the story of my life? So here's what i want to do with each one of these declarations. I just want us to stop and I want us to pray. I want to pray over us uh, that these things would be true. Because why else would we be Christians if we are not going to live according to the word of God? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank You that You give us a new heart and You transform our minds into the likeness of Your Son. I pray for each one of us today that we would live in a way where we are in control of ourself. And I pray You would give us minds that are sober so that we can see clearly where the enemy is trying to lay a trap, and we can see clearly the path that you are laying before us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. We're gonna do that like six other times, I think, today. All right. So so he continues on. He says, Above all, verse eight, above all, keep loving one another. And if you like, I'd like you to circle a word in your Bible earnestly. It says, love, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Now now here's what I know. This has kind of been a sub-theme for a few weeks now when we, as we've been walking through uh, the Gospel of Luke. We, we brought this kind of to the table when we were uh, exploring something that Jesus says to his disciples at the Last Supper. If you remember, he shows the full extent of his love and, and then it says he loves them to the end and as he, he bends knee and he washes their feet, he's showing the full extent of that love, and then, then He will give them a new commandment. And it wasn't, it's not a new commandment as in an additional commandment. This is a new commandment that if you would operate in it, all the other commandments would be sufficient in your life. You would be walking in the wake of all that God has called you to do if you would do this new commandment. And it's simply that you would love others based on how God has loved you. That you would love one another as I have loved you. And he says, when you walk in this way, when you do this with your life, that simply what happens is people know that you are His. So I think when, when Peter says, above all, I think this is what he's talking about. He's talking about this, this, this consistent and really constant desire of God that we will love Him and that we will love people. So he comes in and he says this above all and then he describes the, the, the motivation of, for the type of love that, that we're talking about—that we would love one another earnestly, earnestly, not not begrudgingly, not not forced, not not a, a not a life-draining kind of love—which is which is interesting. I think that's a that's a good thing for us to try to evaluate when it comes to uh, when when we read these these commands to love one another uh, above all. That that when we say, "Man, that's a lot of work." And it shouldn't be. It's not intended to be. That we would love based on how God has loved us. And and the more we love in that manner, the more we see how he loved us. I believe as we love Jesus, um, as we love as Jesus has loved, we are continually reminded of the depth of love that we've received as Jesus is our greatest treasure in being our king. It is his love that covers a multitude of. Of sins, so, so our willingness, our willingness to love one another is a reflection of our understanding and the appreciation of the love Jesus has bestowed on us now i wonder I wonder if we find ourselves in that friction zone of like man, I, I have to love you because i 've been told I have to love you if if we approach the, that um, experience with with that emotion in mind if if maybe perhaps we've forgotten the beauty of the gospel that that we are alive as we just sang to tell the story how we've overcome by the goodness and mercy of god by the power of the blood of jesus So as Peter says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sin, we we come in and we say, okay, how do I wear that? How do do I put that into practice? And so we say it this way, that because God first showed me love through his son, I will love others as he has loved me. Because God has shown me love through his son, I will love others as he has loved me. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you show us what love is. We thank you that, that John declares that you are love. And, and I pray as we walk with you, as we adventure with you, that that, that love would simply be uh, that we would respond to it that we would reflect it in each and every encounter we have with people that we would earnestly long to put your love on display So Father in that we have in mind those who are very difficult to love and we pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit you would you would give us just an extra dose that we would consistently come back to how you treat us. And that we would love in a way that glorifies you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So he says, be be sober-minded, be self-controlled, that you would love one another earnestly. And then in verse 9, he says, you would show hospitality to one another. But then he says something additional. Without what? grumbling without Grumbling. Now, here's what I love. I love how Peter will instruct and then say, Hey, I want you to pay attention to the emotions that you put into the equation, right? Uh, as you put the instruction into action, I want your heart to be uh, in a certain way uh, as you treat one another. So he, he's just told us to love earnestly. So that's a that's a love that has excitement and eagerness. And here he says that you would show hospitality without grumbling. And now, now I... I, I I can be loving, and here's what I know. I can be loving, and someone says, hey, why do you love me? And I can say, well, it's because I'm forced to. Now, is that really love? No. I think much of our, uh, I think there's a danger in much of our walk with God uh, that we would uh, act as if we have to follow out of obligation and not out of reflection. And so, so for someone to say, hey, why do you love me? Well, because I have to. It doesn't really stir the emotions of the heart, right? Uh, And so so it's kind of like forcing your kid to say sorry to a sibling, right? Have you ever done that? You're like, hey, say say you're sorry, and they're like, sorry. And you're like, well, you said the right words, but I still feel if I leave the room, you might drop kick them. Uh, So let's find another space to operate in. Right, we we can say we can we can say the right things, but do we mean that from our heart? And so so when it comes to hospitality, I can I can be hospitable without leaving the recipient with the impression that I genuinely love them. Right, uh, I can I can call the the front desk at the hotel and ask for um uh, ask for an extra blanket. I can walk down there and get the blanket and not feel that they appreciate my request at all. Right. And so as we talk about being hospitable, I think Christians should be the most hospitable people in the world because they should be the most loving people in the world. They have have the greatest cause for celebration. They have a life that has been given purpose and power. They get to live in the wake of the love of God. And so, 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 Christ, we should be the most hospitable that, that, because we've been lavished by the hospitality of the Creator of the universe. We have been. So, so our homes and our treasures and our talents and, and our resources are, are all these extensions for showing how freely we've been given in Christ. That's what they are. In fact, uh, we give freely because we've been freely given. We love freely because we've been loved uh, freely to an extent. That, that it's easy to say that you're a hospitable person um, when, when times that hospitality is expected, right? Um, it's, it's your turn to um, have Thanksgiving at your house for your family so you're incredibly hospitable by letting them. And really, it's just the rotation. But, but seriously think about yourself, about, about whether you are willing, for instance, to, to allow your home to be a place of ministry and not a fortress of retreat. Think about, uh, ask yourself about the grip you have on your finances when it comes to serving people who are in a, in a tight spot. Uh, ask yourself about the schedules that you keep and, and whether uh, actually keeping those schedules are, are keeping you from investing in the lives of those who are far from God so they can find life in Christ. Like I, think, I think busy can keep us from being hospitable very quickly and very easily. Like I don't have time to invest in the lives of other people because I'm constantly in a, mo- in a mode of movement in my life. So he comes in and he says he says, "Be show hospitality without grumbling, so how do we wear that? We wear that by saying this that because God has welcomed me into his family, which in jesus christ that's that's what he has done he is He has brought you, who was far near to him in Jesus, because God has welcomed me into his family, I will welcome others into my home and my life with a joyful heart and now I can see some of you, and I can see through your eyes what you're thinking, and you're like, I just don't like people enough to risk that. Okay? But, but this is, if the story of you was about you, then there you go. You're fine. You don't have to do it. But in Jesus, the story of you is not about you. It's about him. And so so we serve and we create these environments for people to feel the love of God. And so, so, so because God has welcomed me into this family, I will welcome others into my home and my life with a joyful heart. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you, you invite us to your banquet table. That you allow us to feast as... Not just a guest, but a child of yours. We thank you that you've, you've given us an inheritance that, that will outlast any earthly riches that we will ever have. And I pray that as a response to that, that we would be a kind of people who long to show hospitality so that, that we may become nothing but people who declare your goodness. Father, help us, help us break free of having a, a desire to have relationships that are transactions. Help us, help us lavish people with your love. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. He says in verse ten, he says, And as each has received a gift, use it, right? Use it to what? serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. That's, that's an incredible thought, that we are stewards of God's grace. That, that, so, so this is, this is really going to set up the last two instructions, that, that we are gifted by God, okay? We're gifted by God for the benefit of others, both inside and outside the body, right? Uh, both inside this body, outside of the world. And Peter says this is a stewardship. So so, so we steward God's varied Grace, meaning, meaning we've been entrusted with these gifts and are to care for, to manicure them, um, and use them as as this gift is developed and utilized. We can we can be intentional with the way God has gifted us. We can that that so so as as and and to not do that right to be gifted and to not use that gift is is to turn either apathetic or outright negligent. Um, with what God has given you. So, so if you are in Jesus, you've been gifted for the benefit of others. And I'm curious, again, uh, in, in our world of consumer Christianity, if our intention is as clean as it should be. Because much of the time, our pursuit of God is about what God is doing in us and for us, but not necessarily through us. So, God has gifted us. God has gifted us for the purpose of putting His gospel on display. And so, so this, is, this is what makes the body of, of Christ uh, so beautiful. And it's such an amazing collective that, that, that my gifts unite with your gifts and they complement one another and vice versa. And together, we're, we're part of something that is life giving. And, and so, these gifts are not to be hoarded but shared. Since in the sharing, there, there's even more joy for those who experience the touch of God that comes from utilizing our gifts. Our gifts. And so, so how do we how do we put that into practice? We say this that because God has gifted me for his purpose, I will, I will use those gifts to serve others and advance his kingdom. I will. Not a suggestion. I will, I will, I will explore my gifting. Now, sometimes that's a trial. That can be a trial and error. Like, like, what am I gifted at? What is God calling me to do? Where do I best fit? And then other times, He just very clearly says, "Bro, you've been gifted to do this." And it's easy to read Peter, uh, what Peter is saying in passing. But when we say, "I will make this a point of my life," so much more powerful. Father, we come to You. And we thank You that You've gifted us. And I pray You would give, You would give us just the the courage to explore those giftings and then secondly to operate inside them. Father, Father, I pray you would just press upon us the importance of of, of how you have gifted us and the role that you are inviting us into in this story that you are telling. And, and I pray that we would be a people that would utilize those gifts to serve inside this merged community and then secondly, outside into the world that you, you put us in. Father, I thank you that you don't just save us and are done with us, but that you save us and then you put us into practice. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So so these next two are kind of, like I said, it kind of sets up, uh, the one we just read about giftings kind of sets us up and he's going to talk about uh, how we express that in, in first word and then in deed. Right? So it says in verse 11, whoever speaks... That we would speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Okay? Now, now here's the thing. Some of us are gonna get exposed here because sometimes what we speak has very little to do with God. Right? So 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 our words matter and they're powerful. Right? Uh, one, one of the things that we well make fun of Kelly Swinney about all the time. Is she'll say things like, your words are powerful. And we're like, easy mom, get off my back. Right? But she's absolutely true. Our words matter. They are powerful. They have the ability, okay, this is, I'm not making this up. They have the ability to speak life and they have the ability to spark a raging fire. Right? In fact, James will, James will go into great detail about the power of the tongue. He says, he says, with it we curse men and we praise God. And he says, this shouldn't be the case. He says that, that our tongue has a way of navigating our lives. It's like, it's like such a small part of our body, but it steers us. It steers our conversations and it steers our, our, really, um, our opportunities. Uh, and he'll, he'll liken it to a horse that wears a bit in its mouth and you can just very easily move it. Uh, one way or the other, it's, it talks about it being a rudder uh, of a boat that a really small piece of this boat can move the trajectory of where this, the destination of the boat. So James will say, "Hey, hey, what you say is going to matter a great deal." And Jesus will say, uh, "Hey, what you say is a reflection of what's going on in your heart." And I think, have you ever had a moment? Have you ever had a moment where you said something and it immediately left, and you're trying to grab it? And shove it in my mouth, and you're like, you're like, why did I say that? I wish I hadn't said that. And Jesus will say, uh, the the real question that you should be asking is, what's going into my heart to where that was the response. And then he'll say some really ugly things about what rest and the heart, which is why it's so important we would understand that when we say, Jesus, I pray you would give me a new heart, that's what he does. He refines what is broken. The brokenness of the heart lies evil and slander and murder and all these things. And he says, this is, I come to give you a new one. And so, so as we talk about what this looks like, Peter says, as you speak, you carry the words of God. What an incredible entrustment, right? Now, now, easy to say here, but what about? Really, we'll put it this way: that, that should that should give us a pause as we reflect and ask ourselves about the words that come from our mouths. Even in even in passing moments, are the words that I'm using are they glorifying to God? Would others know about my relationship? That you, hear me when I say this, if you are in Jesus, you carry the message of the gospel in your mouth. So, so would others know that by your manner of speech? Would they? Both in the content and in the delivery. You can't, you can't tame the tongue without searching the heart. So here's how we wear this, that because God has given me something to say, He has, because God has given me something to say, I will use my voice to declare His goodness. Now here's the way that applies. That's, that's tomorrow in the office, right? That's this week at the gym, that, that's this weekend when you're hanging out with people, that that your voice, your voice would be used for the goodness of God. And so 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 how do we how do we do that? How do we do that? And we ask ourselves about our heart. So let's, let's pray, Father. Search our hearts and reveal in us the things that aren't of you. And then help us help us make that connection with our tongues. Father, for some, I pray that you would you would help us, that you would you would help clean up our, our speech. Father, I pray you would you would help us with our crudeness and our coarseness, and that you would you would help us with with our with these moments when when our when our speech is is angry or spiteful. Father, help us, help us speak the words of life that you've made available to us in Jesus. It's his name. Amen. All right, last one. Whoever serves. Whoever serves. This won't take long. We've been talking about service pretty much this whole time. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Okay, so so in order that everything that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus. So so we've been talking about avenues of service all morning, right? Uh, showing love, uh, being hospitable, using our gifts. And what Peter does here is he makes sure that we would understand simply why we serve and where our source comes from. So so this is the, if if you think walking with God is you on an island, he's saying no, you're you're connected. That that when you say, I don't have the strength to serve another person. I don't have the strength to go into that messy space. I don't have the strength to go into um, a a space that is dark and scary where people are dying. He says, God has equipped you to go into those those places. And so, so what he does, he makes sure we understand that we serve by the strength God provides because the aim of our service is for the glory of God. So so in my word and in my works, I aim to make much of God because He's making much of my life. So here's how we wear that. We say, because God has given my life purpose, I will glorify Him through my interactions with others. And again, that's that can be difficult at times to not see if you're doing that or not, but difficult at times. Um, to get away when you're not right so so in every interaction, imagine this in every interaction I have this week, am I glorifying him? Again we we sang, we sang some words, I will build my life upon your throne like like is that is that just a song that you sing or is that or is that the declaration of your heart that that I will build my trust in you alone? Like were we were we just doing like, you know, choir practice or, or are we truly meaning this is the movement of who 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 I am and, and what I want to do with my life. Let's pray. Father We thank you that you've given us purpose and you've given us placed us in mission and you've set us in motion, and, and I pray for, for us today that, that, that we would understand just the importance of, of each and every interaction that we have. That we would lean, not our own understanding, but we would lean so heavily on yours that, that we would be strengthened by you. And we would be loved, uh, we would understand how much you love us in those moments. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And then he ends, we can start wrapping this up, Swan. So, so he ends kind of with this beautiful bookend. Right? So he says, he says, to him, right? So, so we ask ourselves, okay, at the end of the day, um, where, who gets the credit? Right? So he says, to him belongs glory and dominion, Forever and ever. Amen. Now, what, where did he start with this, with this section? He says, the end of all things is at, is at hand. Right? The end of all things is at hand because Jesus has died, rose again, ascended to the Father, is preparing a place for you, and He is coming back. So how do we live? And he says we would live in this way that that we would would keep our minds clear, body in control, we would show love, we would um, welcome, we would be hospitable, we would be gifted for the purpose of his kingdom, we would use our words to be a benefit to others, and we would use our hands to serve one another. Because at the end of our lives, all glory is in King Jesus. And he says, forever. And I love the fact that he says, and ever. Right? Because he's like, like I think that's an expression of worship. Forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and then he uses this word, amen. I don't know if you know, really, what that word means, other than, we're done praying, let's eat. Right? The word simply means, so be it. Like, so be it. Let this be true about me. That's typically what we pray anyways, right? So let these things be true. Let these declarations. And I love, I do this, this is a practice of mine, because it forces me to say, how do I wear these words? How do I put them into practice I declare that these will be the things that come out of my life. And then we end it with, Amen. So, so be it. Now here's the thing. We can, we can walk away today and we can have filled up our time and we can have relieved our guilt, right? Because you've shown up for church. Or we can spend our week looking at these declarations not as a checklist, okay? Like I, 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 I say this, I think I say this frequently enough to you. That that life with God isn't about a checklist, you know. Typically, we want to say, okay, you know, well, most important is is my relationship with God, then my relationship with family, my relationship with my friends, then my career, and that's that's no way of doing life. Because when do you ever check off? I'm done with God today, right? You don't do that. When do you check off? Well, I'm done being a dad today. Well, I mean, sometimes about nine o'clock. <laughs> done, done with you people, right? When when do you when do you look at your spouse and say, you know, I gave you a good two hours today. Um, we we good. You know. So so instead of of a checklist, what we do is we say, okay, God, you're at the you're at the center of everything. So every role, every every interaction that I have is is like a it's like a wheel, like a spoke of a wheel that's going out from the center. So so this is what we pray in, in this through this prayer this morning. God, since you are centered, and my life is built upon your throne, let these things be true about me. Let these things be true about us. For the glory and the dominion that reigns forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Our desire this week is to love God. By Let me make a couple things available. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, we believe He is your path to joy and freedom and peace. All three things that we really long for in this world. Maybe you're going through something, and uh, maybe maybe you just need to confess to someone like, "Hey, I I don't I don't try to do this at all. I don't. Maybe maybe you confess. And here's the thing, man. This is the space to do it in. That, that hey, I maybe maybe you come in and say, "I don't like what God has to say much of the time in His Word. Therefore, I avoid it. Can you pray for my strength that I would endure and be consistently in His Word?" Because that is like a tree that is planted by the river. And it's always, always in bloom. I love you guys. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your care for us and your love for us and your movement in us and around us. I pray, as we've been talking a lot with you this morning, That you would set some of us free. That you would move us. That you would remove scales from our eyes and you would soften our hearts. So that when people see our manner of living and they hear our manner of speaking and they experience our manner of service that they would know that we are yours beyond a shadow of a doubt. We thank you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name.